Hi, and welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 30. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever you are in the world, I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. And on this week's episode, we are joined by the very cool named Priest Willis. Priest <laughs> is going to share with us um, affiliate marketing, outsourcing, and side hustles. And I'm really looking forward to finding out more about Priest and also what he does and also his his journey into entrepreneurship. So Priest, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. I am. I am absolutely, truly honored to have you on. I think you're in North Carolina. Am I right? I am Raleigh, North Carolina, to be uh, specific. Class, I'd, I, a place my wife and I would love to go. They call it God's country. I mean, I moved from the Midwest about four years ago, and I don't. I I love it. It's where I was born and raised in Wisconsin, but I, I'm not going back. <laughs> Brilliant, <laughs> excellent. So, Priest, tell us a little bit about your journey into entrepreneurship to, that got you to this point here today. Yeah. So, thanks again for having me on and Thank giving me the opportunity to kind of talk to your audience here. So, I, you know, I started off, you know, just as a, a average student in school, C average student uh, at best, and so I didn't really have any desires to be an entrepreneur as we know it today. I just sort of was going through the motions, if you will, as I was growing up. And then I had a son when I was 20 years old, which kind of catapulted me more into survivor mode more than anything else. So it was less about, um, you know, what are cool ideas I can start and more about now I have a little guy that's kind of dependent on me. So my father shortly after taught me how to build computers and we were in his basement tinkering around. I learned how to build computers. I started very early on doing stuff on websites, sort of gradually moving through the internet and trying different things and moved into affiliate marketing eventually or becoming an affiliate myself. And I just, you know, at first when I started building computers, it was much more laborious having to deal face to face with people who didn't understand how they got the virus in the first place and what memory was about. And you, you sort of had this disjointed discussion with them. And I wanted something a little bit more fluid and something, frankly, that I could make more money on and my time could be better spent on. And again, that's how I moved into designing websites. And ultimately, I realized, you know what? I can make more money um, having banners and different stuff on my website. And we're not talking about a nasty banner farm with all this blinky stuff on the website. Mm. I mean, a very, very uh, organic trip on a website. Um, I, I just thought that <clears throat> you could monetize that better than you know, uh, doing any kind of web design or even computer work. And sure enough, I became an affiliate and saw some success through there and ultimately became an affiliate manager where now I'm managing merchants affiliate programs. So I'm working with the affiliates. Mm. Okay. And for you, the, the, what sort of made you decide to go to, to break into that, this, this battlefield of entrepreneurship? Uh, really good question. So, you know, one thing that I've learned is that, you know, I heard a great quote a long time ago that the average millionaire has at least seven streams of income. And I don't want to set off any alarms that th this is a chase of being a millionaire or a chase of being money. But one thing I realized relatively quickly was that, you know, any kind of life that I wanted to live, I could not rest that on the shoulders of just working 
one job or a nine to five. I, I mean, you'd probably survive, but I really wanted to be alive, if you will. So mm. I think that's where kind of my my excitement for doing something on the side and be, becoming an entrepreneur kind of flamed up was that everything was rested in what I could do. So if I wanted to work until one o'clock in the morning selling stuff on eBay, which I did huh. and got up the next morning to go work full time, the possibilities, Jeff, was in, endless for me. So that's huh. kind of why I wanted to do this entrepreneur thing, because I knew that whether I fail or succeed, it would be rested in my hands. And I wouldn't put that on any company or, or job to say, you know, you're the one that did this to me after 50 years and I only get a gold watch or whatever the case is. Yeah. Yeah. And also is, was there an element of, so the fact is, is that from the income side, but you wanted to be more in charge of your own, uh, I guess, destiny or, or however you want to call it, where you were in control of the options and the opportunities that you could put forward to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, so you so there, there's absolutely uh, that is probably 90 percent of it. And then 10 percent of being an entrepreneur, at least for me, is based on fear. You never I mean, I've been fired before and kind of left with picking up scraps and trying to survive along the way. Uh, and you never want to kind of be in that position again where you're fired or you let go or someone downsizes. And again, your whole future rests in that. So I kind of wanted to set up something outside of that so I can I can be in control of my destiny. And as, as corny and cheesy as that sounds, it's absolutely true. Mm. Yeah. Oh, no, and, and I think that's the thing is, is it's, you know, being an entrepreneur is challenging in its own in its own right. You know, and you you've mm -hmm. got a more demanding boss. You work um, longer hours, um, but there there are so many and so many, there are other ones as well. But there are so many more upsells in the fact that you can be in charge and you can change in a moment's notice. And you can, you know, if something's not working well. Just we'll just change that rather than it having to go down a chain of you know, managers or a, a group discussion or whatever it is, you are able then to make that decision to change. Yeah. In the, in the beauty of being an entrepreneur is that, you know, regardless, you know, what race you are, what, what you believe from a religious standpoint, what country you live in, um, if you're providing a service or a product or something that resonates with people, you, you will be successful, relatively speaking. Again, this this is less about money and more about just me. Again, it started off with fear in a sense that, you know, at 20, I have a son and now I, I have to take care of him. But then at some point, you know, there was a growing up process where it was like, no, you know what? I really want to I really want to survive and make this happen for myself. I, you know, I don't want to rest in the hands of a company. And that's not to say that there aren't great companies out there. And, you know, I've had great experiences uh, with companies, so I, I've had a great work in life. But mm -hmm. an entrepreneur is just in the past 20 plus years have certainly called me deeper and deeper into it. Yeah, yeah. It tests your commitment as well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So with, re with regards to sort of the affiliate stuff that you do, how uh, when you talk about side hustles are you talking about the affiliate side or do you, are you talking about other projects on top of that 
Yeah. So, so certainly, you know, when you want to develop different side hustles, affiliate marketing is, is one avenue, right? Both for someone that is selling a widget and someone that wants to sell the widget on behalf of the merchant, it's, it's low risk for both sides. So if I want to create some other streams of income, I may be a blog writer. Um, you know, you may want to consider joining some affiliate programs and getting your link set up so that you can get, you know, monetize your blog of sorts. Or even if you're posting out on Facebook or Instagram, you know, you should consider becoming an affiliate and monetizing some of those relationships. And, you know, one thing that I want to be clear about, Jeff, is that affiliate marketing is not multi-level marketing. So it's not a ballroom hope in a sense. A lot of times you hear about affiliate marketing getting this scammy um, type of feel because you hear so many different black hat scenarios out there, but there's black hat in no matter what you do, whether it's yeah. search engine optimization, SEM. So yeah, there's tons of opportunity to be made in affiliate marketing. Doesn't guarantee that everyone will be a super affiliate, make millions and thousands of dollars, but you at least have to give yourself an opportunity. If you're already talking about products or enjoying products to kind of see what you can do within your your realm of influence. So again, if that's on Facebook, you got 300 friends, you're already talking about how great a particular potato chip is. Why not see if they have an affiliate program and see if you can get a link so people can purchase mm. it from you. But you I know, there's yeah, sorry. I, I suppose though is as if you are if you like Amazon and there's there's books that you recommend. Like I recommend books all the time. You putting it um, I mean I don't have an affiliate which has got me thinking about it actually. But it's if you put a link because I, I think they do do that sort of program. That then, if Amazon do it, why shouldn't someone else do it? Absolutely. And speaking of Amazon, Amazon was one of the first merchants to start the affiliate program process. So they were one of the first people to come out and say, "Hey, we need to pay other people to evangelize about these products on the site." So, but oh. you're absolutely right. If you're kind of pitching books and saying, "Hey, try this." I mean, you know, you're only making a small percentage of each sale, but if you mm. multiply that hundreds of times over, mm. and if you hit a niche that really resonates with people, you'd be surprised how well you can do in the affiliate space. So, yeah, I, I, I think people that do great blog writing and article writing, and again, it's not to be sales focused, but if you have the audience there mm. and you can capitalize on it a little bit and help pay for your hosting fees and your your domain names and just make some money that way, affiliate mm. marketing is certainly a route you'd want to consider. Wow. Okay. So what about outsourcing? So, um, cause that's something that I always look at when looking at my team or looking at, looking at my systems and processes, uh, outsourcing is one of those things that you just helps you work a bit smarter. How do you find outsourcing to be beneficial and how do you go about it? Yeah, really good question. So I have been outsourcing. So my business primarily because we're a service oriented business is virtual. We didn't, you know, I, when I initially started, I had an office, I had a team within the office and it just came to the point where we don't really have to be here. We can manage accounts and and work with people in our different areas. And so I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. I hired a group of people here. We would come into the office. Finally, I let go of that office space and the different people would work in their areas. But I would take even a step beyond that when I had more um, analytical or even something that was more data driven and more driven by data lines where I didn't want to spend a lot of time with it. I found myself using tools like Upwork and Fiverr, which a lot of people may be familiar with, and literally outsourcing some of the work that way. And 
I mean, for cheap, you know, I, I have a virtual assistant right now that I use and I've been using her now for two years and I probably pay her, you know, it's under $5 an hour and Mm. she does great work. She's fluent and the, and you can find people within your native language, of course. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's opportunity out there and, 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 I don't want people to miss this because there are the large companies out there, whether it's Coca-Cola and some of these other guys, Time Warner Cable, um, a lot of big U.S.-based companies, too, that are actually using outsource opportunities. So if you are trying to build your business, um, because where we miss it as entrepreneurs, Jeff, and you know this, I know this, is that we think we can do everything and we burn ourselves at both ends. And so we become the accountant. We become the uh, we're just everything. We're the top sales guy in the company where we are the top cleanup person in the company. And so I, I'm, I'm telling people, hey, why don't you give yourself a break, work a little smarter? So I actually wrote a book. I haven't launched it yet, but it's about how it's a beginner's guide to how do you outsource? How do you start finding connections of people? So now I don't even use Upwork. I'm all offline where I've built a team within the Philippines um, and uh, a couple people in India to help with some data stuff. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities from outsourcing that that all business people, not just in affiliate marketing or marketing in general, all business people should leverage. Hmm. And how And how would you – so let's say, for example, you've got – You've got the entrepreneur who's at the minute doing everything and they are thinking, right, okay, do you know what? Outsourcing is probably the way to go. How, from your personal experience, would you go about starting that in order for them to feel comfortable and confident that they can go, okay, I've, I've done it that way now. Let's see what else. Yeah. So I, you know, let's, so I can make it real practical. So for my business, I actually put together a PL, a profit and loss, you know, where I'm saying, okay, here's how much I bring in for my business. Here's how much I can give away. With that, I know I have a little cushion to pay for some help. That's that's the first thing that people have to get over. Cause a lot of entrepreneurs say, I just don't have the money. I mean, everything that comes in goes right into my household. Trust me, there are fragments there that you probably could use to put in for the extra help for you. Cause again, Ultimately, what you want this to get you to is the point of freeing up more time for you so you can do other strategic things. But with that, um, you you go out again. You could use somewhere like Upwork.com and you just start off with a virtual assistant. So I would actually find somebody with general um, knowledge of Excel, PowerPoint. They can help put some more you know, stuff that you typically have a day-to-day process or something together, hire that person to do some real simple tasks for you. You don't have to make a long-term commitment with them. And of course, you're going to do the agreement through Upwork. So whatever you decide to pay them hourly, all that is transacted within Upwork. And if you don't like what, what the service that they're providing, there's a million other options for you. But if you do, as you go along, and you gradually trust them. So there's people, Jeff, that you can start off with just one hour a day, five days a week. So that's five hours. If you're paying them three to four dollars an hour, that's mm. five times three or four. Mm. That's relatively low risk for you. And you can give them some jobs off of your plate that you can. All you have to do is glance over. So some of them write blog posts that you can say, hey, before setting this out live, let me just review it just to make sure that you know, the grammar's in place correctly or whatever the case may be. I mean, I started off with an editor outsourcing. Now my editor and I are the closest. And this guy is the absolute, 
business and mm. and you know he's really really good and he's all based in Portugal so there's there's opportunities for you but some of that has to be a gradual relationship build right I wouldn't do a data dump on someone mm. and then expect them to be as good as you 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 do your process now but ultimately let them grow and the other thing that I did just one last tip is I used a software to kind of record myself so what I did was I created YouTube videos of how-to processes. So there's things that I do uh, for my business, like affiliate recruitment, where we recruit uh, affiliates for other for our merchants' businesses. Well, I created a video at literally walking people through how they would do this kind of manual process. In some respects, we have some we have some data ways to do it, but this can be a repeatable situation. So if that virtual assistant doesn't work out for me, I can literally take that video, hire a new person and say, here's the video, learn how to do this process. Yeah. And I love that because that's really thinking smart because the amount of time that you will be consumed of going, oh, I'm going to have to walk this person through it again (laughs) and again and again. And if they ever get a little bit stuck, there's a video to watch. They can right. they can sit there and go through the process because I think quite a lot is it it sometimes it's nicer to do that because you don't get so wrapped up in your way of doing it even though you've got your way of recorded they may work slightly different to you but they right. know that you've got everything covered so it relieves an awful amount of energy from you because it's done once and it can just re- be repeated and if you hire more people they just get the same training I love that. And different doesn't always mean worse, right? You got to give no, people an opportunity to try and maybe apply what they found out from different companies to see if it works for you. Because we we do get arrogant enough where we believe this is the only way to do it. Let somebody else bring something along. If it doesn't work, you know, yeah. just let them rework it. But I promise you'll be a stronger leader within your business. And again, it'll give you the depth enough that at some point you'll be able to, you know, whether bring on more companies which ultimately let you hire people locally, get you know smarter people. Whatever the whatever your lever you're trying to pull for your business, you have to be willing to give some away in order to get more. Yeah, and the more experience of other people's philosophies and strategies that they use, there's a like you say, there's a possibility of you ending up working a hell of a lot smarter than you are now. That's right. You don't know you it's, you don't know it's a bad system until someone points out something a little bit better. Hi, it's Jeff here. Great news. Our Facebook group has just launched. Join this exclusive closed community of like-minded people wanting to create and live an exceptional life and develop a success IQ. Whether your goals are focused for your business or personal life, this group is perfect for you. I look forward to seeing you there and as usual, wishing you the greatest success in the adventure of life. Visit www.successinstigators.com today. Okay, hi, and welcome back. So we're on the second part of the show now where I get the opportunity to ask my guest seven questions, well, actually eight questions now, that I ask every single guest on the show because I love to find common threads and I love to find those little golden nuggets of information that um, our entrepreneurs share with us on the show. So, Priest, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so question number one is, how much time a week do you spend on self-development? Really good question. I would probably say two hours a day, maybe. So 10 hours a week. Yeah, cool. Okay. And is that when, um, is that podcasting or reading or what is your favorite sort of modality for that one? Uh, 
spot on. So it's a lot of podcasting, a lot of podcasting. It is reading. So a lot of times I'm reading some really good books and typically they're either uh, bios from other business leaders or uh, their books like I'm, I'm reading right now, Mission in a Bottle by uh, Seth uh, Goldman, who actually created um, uh, Honesty. So, you know, there's just different inspiration points that I get from both reading and podcasting. And sometimes, again, this may not sound super sexy, but it's partially reflecting. So my wife and I, we kind of do a walk around a two mile trail that we have in Raleigh, North Carolina, and just gives me a time to step away and just clear my thoughts a little bit, which I, I feel is self-development in some respects. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Totally with you on that one. OK, so question number two is what is your favorite personal development book and why? Uh, so my favorite personal book would probably be a book by Blackaby that is called Spiritual uh, spiritual development. And the reason why it is, is because I, I really do believe that there's a spiritual element to leaders. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that, you know, leaders have to be a little deeper than do this, do that. Why? Because I'm the leader. I think there has to be a lot more layers to a leader, including a leader has to believe that there is something bigger than them because mm -hmm. if they think they're the ultimate they will at some point walk around and try to be people's god and i mm -hmm. think at some level um having sp spiritual layers to myself really does humble me and and makes me realize that you know i'm working with people and you know you need to enjoy humans and so i've always really taken to a lot of spiritual development books and you know not anyone in particular. I really do like things that Mahatma Gandhi has talked about. I like principles that uh, Jesus has brought to the Bible and so many others. So there's perspectives there that I think make leaders stronger. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, one of the um, one of the books I was told to read for my leadership was the Tao Te Ching, mm. um, and that it's for me. It's it it. I love it because there's an element where it's like I can talk like Bruce Lee. You know, that wise, <laughs> that wisdom that he had, um, where you can make just be like water. It just sounds like like some sort of um, epiphany to someone. But it's, it is amazing the lessons in these books because, I mean, they've stood the test of time as well. So you look at these books, and I think you're so right, is, is there is such a, 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 you need a better understanding about life, about self, about people. And the only real way you're going to do that is to pull away from the traditional books and look at something else. Yeah, I, you know, again, I think as leaders, we have to be, be, you know, a lot deeper. And again, anybody has this opportunity to be yeah, leaders. Totally. But if you want to be a leader, um, you know, be a reader, kind of listen to other people's stories, listen to their their valleys and listen to the, you know, the mountaintops that they've hit and try to learn from it. I mean, it's one of the beautiful things about podcasting. It's one of the beautiful things about reading books is you may not have the mentor there per se, but you do have the ability to glean from that person because they are kind of giving you a peek behind the curtain sort of of what they've went through and you yeah. can kind of hold on to that as you build your own business yeah totally one of my favorite podcasts is uh, chase jarvis's um uh -huh. he talks about i think it's called chase jarvis live um and he does these amazing the videos but he records them as well but they're um he the people he interviews are just they just work at a very completely different level it's mm. it's a it's a great it's a great podcast highly recommend that one Mm. Okay, question number three is, what is your favorite app? So my favorite app right now is an app called Pocket. 
Um, so pocket basically allows you, you know, a lot of us, what we tend to do is, and I, at least I would run into this is I would have five articles that I planned on getting to. So I would open up one window on my mobile phone and I'm, I would read halfway through it and something else would catch my eye and I would read halfway through it. But pocket, what it allows you to do is sort of save it within this app and it cuts out some of the ads and gets right to the meat of it. So I can always go back into my pocket app to refer back to the articles that I wanted to read, or even if, you know, this may be a little bit too, too much, but if, if I'm on the toilet and I'm trying to rush through and I'm like, ah, I don't want to read this one and I just want to save it in my pocket. I'll read it later. That's yeah. exactly what I do. Yeah, yeah. Maximize, maximize your productivity is, <laughs> that, is what we can say. <laughs> I'm, I'm even productive in the bathroom, Jeff. That's <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So question number four is what is your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you? You know, so one of the things that my mentor told me is that you have to learn how to fail fast. Mm -hmm. And so um, he meant that from every aspect, hire, hire slow, fire fast. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, things that I've learned along the way is learning how when to cut a business that's not working. Sometimes we get so close to things and we get so passionate about stuff that, no matter all the signposts that we've seen that it's not working, we continue to pour our finances and time into it. And I've done that with more than my share of projects that I probably should have let go faster, probably would have saved a little bit more money, a little more time, a little more heartache. And so the the longer I go along on this journey, just as an entrepreneur, just as, you know, becoming older in my years, uh, I, I become wiser about really seizing good opportunities, not being caught up in just everything that shimmers and shines in my left and right eye and just learning how to stay focused. And if it's not working the way I think it should, then cut it off fast. So failing fast is, is the key for me. Yeah. And how long for you did it take you to get comfortable with that? Because that can be a scary realm, can't it? When you're kind of like, there's a part of you that doesn't want to fail at all. Yes. And then there's the there's that that bigger part of you, that entrepreneur in you that goes, yeah, but I need to see if it works. How long for you did it personally take for you to oh, sort of do that one? It, it took a few years. There's mm. no doubt about it that it takes time for you to accept the fact that, one, this just isn't working. And two, you, you come into the realization, but but everything I invested in it, that means it just goes nowhere um, but if you're smart, you will take those learnings and even some of the bits and pieces and fragments of whatever it is you developed and apply it to the next thing. So I guess failure is perception, right? You could yeah. look at it one way and say, I failed or look at it from, I'm not going to do that again. I mean, I heard a story about uh, 409, you know, the thing that greases up doors and, yeah. and make sure you take the squeak out. 409, that number is how many iterations they had to go through before they got it right. 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 Okay. So, okay. so number 210, somebody could either quit or you could you could just try some other iterations or just try different variables altogether. So I guess my point is I, I have to learn how to walk away from some things. And I've had to do that in business mm. completely. Um, even things that seem like it would offer more money. I've had to turn down jobs and roles for the bigger picture of my life. Mm. Um, but but being able to make decisions like that faster and and letting go of things faster and coming to a, re a resolution in my my spirit and my heart faster is is the key for any leader growing brilliant
No, absolutely fantastic. Okay, question number five is what are your challenges in balancing work and life and how do you manage them? This is a great question because for a long time, um, you know, to some level, I, I, I had real anxiety, not not moments of anxiety. I, I had real anxiety, true panic attacks. And I didn't know where it stemmed from because I didn't have it when I was a kid and it didn't kick in until it was 25 and I ended up going to talk to a doctor. So we're talking about heart palpitations, the whole bit. And, um, you know, the doctor told me at some level, you know, there's real no real rhyme or reason. There's just triggers essentially that just begin to happen in people's life. And I realized I could directly relate it back to work. And I realized when I just told you, you know, some time ago about staying up till one in the morning, shipping out eBay products and then getting up at seven to go work a full time job just wasn't a good and healthy life. So there's this fine balance between, quote unquote, hustle that you hear so much about and then finding a work life balance. But one thing that I did find, Jeff, is that that there is no real work life balance. You just have to find the chaos that works for you. Hmm. So. You know, there's no there's no there's no science to like me getting off at five and never answering the email at seven. That just for my life, that just doesn't work. But me being able to completely tune out on Saturday and just deciding that I'm not answering the email on that Saturday, I may do it on Sunday, but I'm just dedicating this Saturday to my kids and going to the movies with my wife. That works for me and it works for my wife and my kids don't feel this need that I'm stepping away from them. So in that even though that seems somewhat chaotic to somebody who's punching in a clock and working from nine to five mm-hmm. for me that has worked. And so I think people need to find that, that rhythm that works best for them and it may not work for everybody. So yeah. my work life balance, it it's, it's all perception, but it works for me for where I'm at today. Brilliant. Yeah. And that, and that truthfully is all you can ever ask for. Yes. You know, and, and I think it's, it, it's, um, there was a thing, I can't remember what, program it was a podcast i was listening to and they said they don't like balance they like harmony because balance still sounds like you're teetering but harmony it's about just being able to blend it because mm, there, like are, there are some days when look like tonight i i am um, once i finish this i'm gonna have to put in a couple of hours to get a presentation finished off i know that my wife's okay with it i'll shop know if she's not okay with it but you know i will i will i will know that that's it's okay we've we've worked it out and that's fine but there are times and there's other times where i'll just i'll shut the doors at three o'clock in the afternoon and go i'm just chilling out now and it's been okay with it and that's half the battle yeah i read a book by andy stanley called choosing to cheat and almost in the same scenario he was talking about how um you know if you're if you're doing one thing, you've decided to cheat on the other thing, right? Mm-hmm. So his point of getting to this was you have to be resolved in your own heart on what it is that you want to do. So when I get up on a Saturday and I say, my wife and kids, we just did this this past Saturday. That's why I'm talking about it. My wife and kids, we're just going to get up. We're going to go for a drive. I'm not getting on the computer. I'm not talking to anybody. I don't care. It just doesn't matter to me. I'm not answering any emails. It doesn't matter what they're saying. Um, once you get to that point and you consistently do that, it'll get easier about how you do it. So because even we can get caught up in a system with, okay, Saturdays, I'm I'm no longer going to answer the phone, but Sundays I will. Even that becomes a process. So yes. the, don't look for the process. Just find the harmony like you were saying. Mm-hmm. And just and, and from, a, from a lesson I learned is just make sure you've got the systems in place that you don't need to answer the phones. 
Yes, that's absolutely right. Because I made the mistake of not doing that, and I certainly learned the hard way. Um, <laughs> okay, so question number six is, what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had had, sorry, that you wish you had known starting out? Oh, this is a really good question, Jeff. So, you know, one of the biggest things that I've I've learned as I've grown as an entrepreneur is to become less of a people person or uh, people pleaser is probably yeah. the better term to it. Yeah. I think as entrepreneurs, we, we run like chickens with our head cut off because we're really trying to find to make everybody happy. We're trying to go to every networking event. We're trying to get in front of everybody to be everything to everyone all the time. And if that's not you, if you're an introvert or you have things about you that that doesn't fit into, just find the lane that fits for you. And that's where your gain will be at. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me initially, when I first started, I really wanted to be at every conference. I wanted to shake hands with people that I thought could help me with opportunities. Um, I wanted a mentor. I wanted all these things. I'm telling you as a 42 year old man right now, that stuff just doesn't matter to me. I just want to build good stuff mm -hmm. and I want to do fun things that make me happy. And I just, I honestly, I mean, if you could see my face from the core of my heart, I just don't care. Hmm. I really just want to, I think the business and what you do around that will kind of speak for itself. So I, I guess with that, you know, I, I would tell young entrepreneurs, hey, just just find your gain in your lane. Hmm. Yeah, brilliant. Okay. Question number seven is what is your definition of success? So my personal definition of success is just, you know, being at a place where I enjoy uh, what I do. Mm -hmm. um, I have the freedom to do what I do where I want, mm -hmm. um, meaning anywhere in the world that I want to go to. So almost having like a nomad lifestyle. I want to be able to provide for my, my children and my family. And at the core of it, that's that's really it. So I don't have a, a dollar value in terms of. I want to, you know, I make $3 million and then I'll be successful. I really feel successful today. I've been with my wife for 20 years. Um, I'm everything that I'm doing in work and business and life, whatever it may be. I'm really doing what I want to do. Could I use more finances to do more? Absolutely. Sure. I, I take it all day long, but do I feel pressed about it? No, I don't. Um, so I feel successful right now. Um, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Good for you, man. Okay, so question number seven, the uh, no number eight, the life lesson question. Pick a number between one to fifty, and we're going to find out what life lesson I learned from that from my experiences, and then we're going to discuss it. I like it. Uh, let's go with eighteen. Okay, eighteen is practice persistence. Mm. Um. Basically, um, as it says, is if you want to be um, successful, if you want to be happy, if you want to be able to be more resilient, the the idea of doing, I think we there's too many people out there that do something once or twice, it doesn't work, and then they go, well, that's that's it, it's not working, it's not working for me, and I think if you want to be, if you want to create that level of success, and in mine, it's. Basic, my definition is basically being happy and fulfilled. If you are wanting to achieve what your definition is, you have to keep at it. You don't just give up because your second attempt didn't work. 
you've got to keep working on it and working on it. And there may be different strategies involved, but you've got to keep that persistence to chase. Or what you're doing is, is you're giving into mediocrity. And I'm mm. just wondering what you think. Mm, I, you know, so first of all, I think persistence has been one of my ingredients. When I first started the conversation off, I told you that, you know, I was, you know, an average student in school. So things that my brother could pick up immediately. Like I remember sitting in math class and people asking questions of the math teacher about the problem that she just went over. And I would be wondering to myself, how did you even know to ask that question? Nonetheless, know what the answer to the problem is. Like I'm, Mm. I'm completely lost in here. So I would have to go home and work that much harder to get it. And so persistence has always been a tool that I've put in my belt because You know, in a lot of areas, people are smarter than me. In a lot of areas, people have all these other tangibles. But one thing I know I can do is outwork somebody. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm willing to sit down and do the necessary steps that it takes to get to the point that I want to get to the win. And um, so I I love it. I, You know, I've talked about this before. Probably if you've ever heard conversations from me before, I've always said that patience and persistence is – two of the twin towers for me in life brilliant excellent priest it's been an absolute privilege to have you on the show so could you um just share with our listeners um how people can find out more about you and any um links that you'd like to share yeah jeff thank you again for having me on this was really fun great questions very thoughtful questions i really appreciate it uh, if, if someone wants to connect with me, feel free to go to affiliatemission.com. Uh, you can go to our contact page. You can reach out to us there, either myself or um, someone will connect back with you. Otherwise, you can just connect with me right on Twitter. So a lot of times I, I, I'm happy to reach right back out to somebody on Twitter. I'm at Priest Willis on Twitter. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. So feel free if you just type in my name, Priest Willis. There's not a lot of other people other than my son. So he's Priest Willis Jr. He'll be out there if you search for that name. So, okay. And you also have a podcast show? I do. It's called uh, Missions and Marketplace. Uh, we, we also interview business leaders, thought leaders, authors, and different people like that. Okay, brilliant. I'll put a link on the show notes so people can find out more about that one. Thank you, Jeff. So, Preet, I just want to take this opportunity to wish you the greatest success, and thanks very much for joining me. Thank you. I wish you the same, Jeff. So, first of all, just let me say a huge thank you for tuning in or subscribing to the show. I'm very grateful for that. If you have any suggestions of topics that you would like to to suggest that we have on the show, or perhaps you want to give me feedback of... uh, of what you think about the show then you can send any emails to podcast at jeffnicholson.co.uk i love hearing from you and your feedback really does help me make the show better so if you want to find out more about me or how i can assist you to live the exceptional life then you can visit www.jeffnicholson.co.uk or you can follow me on twitter look for gn coach or on all other social media sites i am jeff nicholson uk If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you've also enjoyed the show, can I invite you to pop over to iTunes and give us a rate and review as it really does help make the podcast more visible to increase its audience. I look forward to speaking to you next week and I want to take this time to wish you the greatest success. Take care.